Welcome to Accessible Art History, the podcast, the best place for art history lovers or anyone that is curious. My name is Annalisa, and I'm here to share an incredible work with you. Just a quick reminder before we get started. All sources and images will be posted on the Accessible Art History blog. You can find the link in the episode description as well as on our Instagram at accessible.art.history. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. This week, our journey through Romanticism continues with one of the most evocative images in the history of art. It is called Liberty Leading the People and was painted by Eugene Delacroix in 1830. In this piece, the artist commemorates the July Revolution of the same year. Throughout its history, Liberty Leading the People has become a symbol of revolution and liberty. So, to learn more about this amazing work of art, keep on listening. At the center of this piece is Liberty herself. I'll go more in depth about this figure in a little bit. She strides powerfully forward, bare-breasted and ready for battle. In one hand, she holds a tricolor flag, and in the other, a musket and bayonet. A group of men and a few children follow her into battle. Notice how they're all wearing different types of clothes. This shows that the revolution was for all people, not just one of the classes. Everyone put aside their differences to fight for change. Sadly, the group is walking on the bodies of their fallen allies, but they march forward, determined to see their cause through. The main figures are arranged in a pyramidal composition. This, along with a strong diagonal line, creates a sense of dynamic motion. The setting could be anywhere in Paris. Delacroix painted the background quite hazy to represent smoke from gunfire. All of these details combine to create a powerful, stirring image. This painting was created as a historical record for the July Revolution of 1830. It took place over the three days, the 27th, 28th, and 29th, often referred to in history as the, quote, three glorious days. France had been in a state of flux for several decades, from the First Revolution to the rise of Napoleon to the Bourbon Restoration, there were almost constant regime changes. This particular revolution sought to overthrow Charles X, the last Bourbon King of France. The rebels were successful and Charles X was replaced with Louis-Philippe, the Duke of Orléans. However, the rebels made him citizen king at the head of a constitutional monarchy. This was a far cry from the absolute monarchy of years past. The goal was for the French people to find a way and a person to govern them that would keep the common person's best interest in mind. And a fun fact about this setting, it's also the setting for Victor Hugo's famous book and Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical adaptation, Les Miserables. The most important figure in this painting is the central one, the bare-breasted personification of liberty. She came to be known in France as Marianne, though the exact lineage of this name is frequently debated. Delacroix did not invent this symbol, but his version is the most popular and most often copied. Typically, Marianne is shown with a flowing gown with her breast exposed. She's a beautiful and young woman. Upon her head, she is always shown wearing a Phrygian cap. This cap was commonly worn by ancient Eastern European people, dating back to the time of the Roman Empire. Back then, it was meant to symbolize foreigners. Think back to my past episode on Trajan's Column and the Dacians. But by this point in history, it symbolized freedom and liberty. In her hands, she always holds the tricolor flag of France, another powerful symbol. In her other hand, she typically holds some sort of weapon, either a lance or bayonet-tipped musket. These items show that she is ready and willing to fight for France's liberty. Next, I'm going to take a look at the artist, his life, and some more information about this painting. But first, let's take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Now that we're back, let's dive into the life of the artist that painted this work. Eugene Delacroix was born on April 26, 1798. There is some disagreement over his legitimacy. Records indicate that his legal father was impotent, and Delacroix strongly resembled Talleyrand, the famous politician. Throughout his life, Delacroix was close with Talleyrand, with the latter helping him establish and maintain an artistic career. Orphaned by the time he was 16, Delacroix was devoted to his studies. At the age of 17, he was admitted to the Lycée Imperial in Paris, a prestigious school known for its emphasis on the classics. Next, Delacroix began to study in the studio of Pierre Guirant, a well-known artist of the period. Finally, at the tender age of 18, Delacroix was admitted to the École des Beaux-Arts. This was an incredible honor, especially for someone so young. In 1822, he presented his first work to the Salon. It was called The Bark of Dante, and it caused quite a sensation. On one hand, it was praised for its bold design, but on the other, it wasn't quite conventional enough for the salon. This tended to be the pattern of reception throughout his career. Delacroix traveled to both England and North Africa. This informed his art in both style and composition. He was an artist that poured his heart and emotions into each and every work. In addition, he wasn't afraid to conquer violent and political subjects. This, however, was emotionally and physically draining on Delacroix. He struggled with his health for years. Eugene Delacroix died of a fatigue-induced fever on August 13, 1863, at the age of 65. Besides liberty leading the people, Eugene Delacroix is most famous for his works The Death of Sardinopolis and The Massacre at Kiaw. It's important to note that Delacroix did not personally attend revolutionary events. Historians have theorized that it was due to his close relationship with the government and multiple commissions had come from officials. However, he did appear to support the rebels. He told his brother in a letter, Quote, my bad mood is vanishing thanks to hard work. I've embarked on a modern subject, a barricade. And if I haven't fought for my country, at least I'll paint for her. End quote. To begin a piece, Delacroix would take methodical notes and sketches on compositional elements. He wanted to make sure that each part worked together in the whole painting. And as I've mentioned before, Delacroix poured his emotions into the work. We can see this by the wide, confident brushstrokes. The viewer can feel the tension and the passion across the painting, allowing us to feel the same as the rebels do. The pyramidal composition of this work was in fashion at the time. Not only did it lend to the motion drama, but it's a direct reference to Delacroix's friend's work, The Rapt of the Medusa by Theodore Jericho. The final part of Delacroix's method was his use of color. Notice that the painting is mostly muted, except for the instance where the tricolors of red, white, and blue, they are vibrant. This was a distinct choice by the artist to emphasize the reason for the revolution. As with many of Delacroix's works, this piece was considered to be inflammatory. Because he painted it the same year as the July Revolution and exhibited it a year later, the memories were still fresh in the public's mind. However, it was still purchased by the government and hung up in the royal palace. Interestingly, they did this to remind King Louis just exactly how it came to power, was the will of the people, and if that will changed, he would be ousted. However, when this regime fell, it was removed from the palace and placed in storage. In 1874, Liberty Leading the People was hung in the Louvre, where it remains to this day. This work represents the passion and dedication of the July Revolution. 
Delacroix not only helped to solidify the image of Marianne, the personification of liberty, but also provided us with a harrowing record of the event. Make sure to tune in next week when I cover The Slave Ship by J.M.W. Turner. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Accessible Art History, the podcast. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at accessible.art.history for updates and keep an eye out for our next episode. They drop every Monday on your favorite podcast platform.